Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Christopher Brown. Today's the second episode of the Cross-Border Interviews Women's Week, and we are sitting down with someone we have sat down with before, Miss Kellyanne McNeil. Kellyanne and I sit down and we chat about a range of issues, including her upbringing, what it means for her to be a woman in today's society, and a topic that I didn't think was going to be broached on this podcast, Roe versus Wade, the abortion issue. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Cross-Border Interviews Women's Week featuring Kellyanne McNeil. Um, uh, thank you very much, Kellyanne, for doing this yet again. You're the <laughs> first host, uh, post, first host, wow, first guest to come back on the second episode of Cross-Border Interviews. Uh, this week is special, as my listeners here know, here, no, uh, it's Women's Week, uh, as a woman yourself. Which, oh, thank su- you for noticing. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Woo! Mitchell wanted to come on, but... <laughs> Well, that might pose some problems. Exactly. Not, not holding against him, but he wanted to come on, but I said, no, you're not a woman. I apologize. <laughs> I need true... Because that's your fault. <laughs> yes. I need true women to actually sit down with me and talk about women's issues. So well, thank you very I'll, much. Like we said before we started this, I'll do my best, but I just putting this out there. I do not speak for every single freaking woman on the planet. We all have our own voices. And, and I agree with that. And that's Good. that's what I want is uh, I'm uh, I don't want to say sick and tired, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm tired of hearing from the same commentator over and over again about the issue that they think is important. Because mm-hmm. honestly, like you said, every woman's different. Every woman's need is different. Every woman's backstory is different. So why not get a, a, a cross section of women mm-hmm. and talk to them about issues that they're facing them? Good enough. So, as my single white female friend, that's the category you fit in. That's a lot of categories to fit into for one person. Welcome. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, Kellyanne, um, as we've alluded already, you are a woman. Yes. Um, You grew up with three sisters. Two two sisters. Two sisters. That's a group of three. Um, Were you guys close? Fairly. Fairly how? Fairly in the sense that... Because um, there's not a big age difference between the two, three of you, right? There really isn't. There's two years between uh, myself and my middle sister, Emily, and then there's five years between my baby sister, who's not a baby anymore. She's going to be 23, I think. Wow. I just said I think on the podcast. Sorry, Nicole. Um, <laughs> like she's listening. Well, and if she you is, never know. she can write into us and send us a review. We did get our first tape mail, so if they oh, want to send more, a milestone. On. Yes, but okay. so you guys, but there's five years between her and I. So that's the youngest sister, yeah. and you're the yeah. oldest. So growing up in, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the short list or the long list? Let's go with the main area that you grew okay, up in. Let's go with Nova Scotia. Okay, let's stick with, yeah, let's stick with <laughs> let's the Maritimes. Let's stick with the province, the Maritimes. Okay, we're not even sticking with the province. We're, we're going just going to do the Maritimes, so yeah. growing up in the Maritimes, um, did you ever feel, um, and I want to use uh, these words uh correctly here. Yeah. Did you feel that uh, as a young girl that you were able to voice your opinion, to get ahead, to reach for any stars, reach for your dreams? Well, that's going to... That's a bit problematic. Why? Well... Because there was no space station in... (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's an observatory, so we can watch the stars. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's it's complex in the sense that my backstory from the time when we moved from Ontario to Nova Scotia in 2001 is a little tricky because I was viciously bullied by my peers. For being a woman? No, because I was the new kid and I had a funny accent. Ah, okay. So to answer your question, I didn't feel like I could speak out for myself, reach for the stars, because that wasn't reinforced. From your peers. From my peers. And in some cases, I hate to not all of my teachers, but some of my teachers. What about your parents? Oh, yeah. Because I'm assuming, because from what I understand, your mother was a teacher. Yes. So, as a teacher, she's probably nurturing your... Yes, absolutely. And as a woman, she's probably giving you someone to look up to yes. in that role model position. Right? Yes. Yes. No, within the family unit, absolutely, hands down, my parents, my parents always said that we could do whatever we wanted in life. Dad would always add at the end, as long as you have a university degree first, but... I digress. You know, yep. I digress. But no, they were always very encouraging. Now, is that like, uh, from what I understand, your father is from a different back, uh, not a different background, but from a different generation. So is my mom, yeah. Yeah, you guys, they were older when they had you, the three of you, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not going to give an age, so we'll, I, we'll I won't, just go I, with that. I won't either. I'm just <laughs> g- generalizing here. We're nev- you never ask a woman her age or a man her, his age because then you will never see the next morning. Uh, bingo. <laughs> so um, they, come, they came from a different back, uh, generation yeah. where um, the attitude was women go into the kitchen, they make food. To, to an extent, I mean... But I'm, you never got that from... No, them? not at all. They always encouraged us to do what we wanted to do, to do our best at it. And there was no dream that wasn't possible. Frank, if I wanted to be an archiving astronaut, I could, I, they probably would have encouraged that. It is a little ridiculous, but nevertheless. So when you decided to venture out on your own, um, Mm -hmm. being, uh, not venture out on your own, but going off to a university in a larger city because Mm -hmm. uh, you're from a rural area. Yeah. Um, that must be tricky because you're used to a smaller setting. Everyone mm-hmm. knows everyone. You can, and I come from a rural area as well, where you could go out on the street, you could play with your friends, and you wouldn't have to feel exactly in, in danger. Yeah. So you're going off to a university mm-hmm. in a larger uh, city. Yes. In a different province where the main language mm-hmm. is not <laughs> English. Yeah. So tell take take me through that process as a woman. How how did you feel when you first arrived in Montreal? When I first arrived in Montreal, it was really overwhelming. I, I won't even lie to you. Um, I did, I mean, I did go to school in Halifax, which is the biggest city in Nova Scotia. But when you compare it to Montreal, it <laughs> it's very small. Like, it's a very small city. Um, but, yeah, I was definitely overwhelmed. Like, Montreal is a huge city by comparison. And that's just taking... The island. Like, there's outlying communities and what they refer to as boroughs spread out all over Quebec. Wow. I know. Did I ever... But you know what? It was intimidating to the point where I never actually ventured onto the subway. To this day, I have never taken the subway system in Montreal. Why not? I was terrified, too. Now, were you terrified as a woman or were you terrified as a uh, person who was going into a new experience because you were from a rural area? Both. Really? Definitely both. I mean, you know, the media and other 
women speak about the whole don't walk at night, carry your keys like between your your uh, middle finger and your pointer finger. And that all of that is really true. Like it can be really scary out there for women. And so when you were making that decision to go to Montreal, as mm-hmm. we talked about in the previous podcast, yes. if you want to listen, it's episode five. Um, when you made that decision, did you make it on the assumption that, you know what, I need to break down that barrier? I need to not be so afraid? Or was it, you know what, this is going to be the best option for me as a person? It was both, really. I By the time I was ready to graduate from my, from a school in Halifax, I was at the point in my life where I was ready to take that step. So it's not like I was 18 years old moving to this huge city. No, I was I was in my early 20s at the time. And the same side of the coin, it was a little bit about kicking that fear, you know, kicking the fear in the pants, you know. When when I talk to women who went to uni- uh, who have gone to university, uh, mm-hmm. and not I, I speak to uh, I, sh- I should just say the women who I speak to who went to university, but all women I speak mm-hmm. to say those formative years between twenty and thirty is when you really decide who you are as a woman, yeah, or as a person in general. So when you were going to university, um, as most people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's activists who are on campus. Mm-hmm. There are groups. Did you get involved with women's groups to uh, sort of get to know people in that uh, area? Or were you sort of a stay back, you know what, I'll do what I want to do and I won't be an activist? Well, I hate to say this, but I was that girl and I was a girl at the time. Um, I was the person that just stayed back, let them do what they did because it was very intimidating for me. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do suffer from anxiety. So that was before I was, you know, actually being like I was actually taking care of my mental health. So a lot of that inner anxiety manifested itself in different ways. But those types of women activists, like I look at them now and I'm like, oh, my God, you're doing this for the benefit of literally everyone on the planet. But back then I was like, yeah, no, I'm just going to stay here in my corner with my history books and you guys can just do what you want. Just leave me alone. (laughs) Do you consider yourself a feminist? Uh, And I, I guess the first question should have been, what do you consider a feminist? Well, that's that's that, really a loaded question. And, and it is. And hey, <laughs> we have literally 50 minutes to fill, so <laughs> let's dive deep into it. So what does Kellyanne McNeil consider as a feminist? To this day, I really don't know. Your mom never had that conversation no. with you? Your sisters and you never talked about it? My sisters... Even them, like, my sisters were born in 94 and 97, and even their generations are really more vocal than I find that the 92 babies were. Really? Yeah. They have a much better understanding of feminist issues than even I do. Have you heard of the pink tax? No. So, let's, for example, you go into Shoppers Drug Mart, and you're looking at razors. There's ones catered for males. They're blue, they're black, they're silver, they're gray, they're the manly ones. And then there's women's, and there's women's razors. They're normally the feminine colors, the pinks, the purples, those shades. The pink tax is essentially a tax that um, stores or product, I don't know what you want to call it, product people place on feminine products that are 
are a different color, but they serve the same purpose that a man would use. So you look at two razors, the men's one might be two bucks, for example, the women's will be $3.50. Seriously? Because it's pink or purple. In Canada. I saw this based out of the United States, but something tells me, yeah, in Canada too. I actually want to. I want to go to our local go. pharmacist right Do after it. this and check that out because I find that hard to believe. But mm-hmm. I, I, I will be honest. I, I don't go out and buy pink razors. So. I, I wasn't going to. I mean, if you do, all the more power to you, man. But I wasn't going to assume that either. So how does, does that not infuriate? Oh, it infuriates me when it was brought to my attention, but it never dawned on me before that. Um, the other thing I can talk about that actually my sisters had to explain to me was the period tax. Have you heard of the period tax? No. Okay. So it's a, spe- it's a specific tax put on feminine hygiene products for women that are seen, and it's seen as a luxury item. It's not seen as a necessity. So when I go buy milk, I don't. I'm not taxed on milk because it's a well, necessity. Well, you're, you're taxed to a degree because it's it's still the GST. I don't think some of the food items. Are okay, taxed. that I didn't know. All I know is that all I know is that there's a specific tax added onto feminine hygiene products because it is considered a luxury for women. It's not considered a necessity. You just blew my mind. That freaking blew my mind when my sisters told me about it. So they, the long and short of it is they are much more, they are much more informed than I am about women's issues. So they're more woke? Sure, if you want to, <laughs> yeah, they're more woke, I guess, if that's how hey, you want to I'm trying to bring it. in the younger listeners here. <laughs> All right. So, when you look at your sisters, you mm-hmm. look how, uh, uh, engaged they are in Mm -hmm. issues when it comes to uh, women's issues Mm -hmm. do you go you know what I'm okay with stepping back I'm okay with letting them fight the fight Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm not a woman I'm not I'm not saying I'm not a bad woman for not fighting the fight I'm just Mm -hmm. saying it's not my fight to fight does that make sense yes to it and to a degree I am okay with taking that back seat because of I hate to say this but I've kind of done it my own life my whole life because it's been intimidating for me now that being said, there are some things that really grind my gears when it comes to women's issues. Like period tax. Yeah. Prime example. <laughs> Come on now, people. Come on. We can change one thing with this podcast. I would like to say if we can get rid of the period tax, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> I do believe that I, I do believe some provinces are looking to do away with it. Which provinces I can't tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to Google them. Well, we'll Google it, and then episode three that you're back on, we'll talk about the period tax. Oh, God. <laughs> Listeners, you've been warned. Yeah. Um, so we go back to the initial question that I yeah. asked. Are you a feminist? Do you consider yourself going out there every day and try to advance the, I don't want to say women's cause, but mm-hmm. women's rights, women's liberation? I guess to an extent, sure. <laughs> I mean, I predominantly, I do work in a male field. Yep. Which is surprising for most people because frequently libraries and the information field is typically dominated by women. Like, you don't see a lot of male librarians when you walk into a library. Uh, but the archival world, according to one of my professors four years ago, was is actually predominantly male. Really? So I guess, in a way, by being in a profession that's male-dominated, I've... <laughs> 
broken the gender barrier, if that's how you want to phrase it. Um, so I guess in a way I am, but in another way, I'm, I'm really not. I'm not the activist, go out there and fight type of person. Do you consider your, Do you consider that you have to work uh, harder than potentially your male, male counterparts? Oh yeah, for sure. Why? Well, I mean, women have always been seen as the weaker sex for the longest time. I mean, dating back to probably this, even the 1700s, like women couldn't do hard work because we'd faint or we'd collapse or we'd be hysterical. And the only way to calm us down would be, I don't know, to overly medicate us at the time. So it's, it's in a sense, it's to have that still carried, it's really frustrating. So when you look back on your college days, your university days, your high school days, mm -hmm. and you saw the boys acting up, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. uh, sort of catering to the male gender, mm -hmm. did that piss you off? Yeah. And how did you overcome that from your own perspective? Because you know what? <laughs> Everyone has their own ways so that they overcome issues, yeah. right? Um, my way could be different than yours, and it mm -hmm. probably is. Um, but when I saw that women were tr getting treated unfairly in university, in college, mm -hmm. I would say something. Mm -hmm. Always to my detriment. That's usually the case. But I would say something. Yeah. I would feel good that I said something. But at mm -hmm. the same time, now I look back and I go, was I crossing the line for the woman? Mm -hmm. Because she, she has all the right. I don't need to defend every single person. Mm -hmm. So how did you overcome that? To be perfectly honest, I kept my head down low and I worked my ass off to show them what I was made of. And part of that was also to show myself what I was made of. For the longest time, and this dates back to well into my school years, I really struggled to, and I'm still struggling with this today, to know my worth and to acknowledge my achievements. So... Yeah, that's what I did. I got the higher grades. I did my coursework. I'd like to add that in grade seven, I was exempt from writing every single exam. What? what? <laughs> and you know what? That rubbed a lot of my peers the wrong way. Partially because I was deemed, I don't know what you would call it nowadays, a know-it-all. Oh, I wasn't really a know-it-all. I didn't speak a whole lot, so there you go, right? I was considered to be a prep, which in some, I mean, that's just the general term. I know it means different things, different places you go. But in this case, it meant that I was a goody two-shoes and I did what I was supposed to do. Clearly, it worked in my favor. <laughs> and no, and it really did. I mean that with no viciousness at all. But that's how I fought back. Someone told me I um, couldn't do something. <laughs> well, I went and did my best at it. Do you have role models that you look up to? I really admire Michelle Obama. Oh, my God. She is amazing. She did not only so much for the United States government in her role as First Lady, but she's just, she's a wonderful person. She's raising these two incredible daughters. She is like fitness guru. Have you seen that woman? Yeah. I, and you know what? I've read part of her book. I haven't finished it, but I've read part of her book and she did a lot. I really, I have to say, I really admire her. 
because the reason I say that, um, there's a podcast out on Apple iTunes, and uh, I'm not sure if it's on Google Play. I only listed on Apple iTunes, but um, it's from the former Prime Minister of Australia, Julian Gar. Gar- I forget, forget how to pronounce her last name. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she does is she uh, she's a fellow at the Institute of Virginia Woolf in London, mm-hmm. and she talks to women every day. If, if I. I I will add this to the show notes. Listen to it. It's one of the most engaging conversations I have uh, that I've listened to in the longest time. And what she said is women in power, and this is why I'm asking about the role model, and I'll get to my question here Mm -hmm. soon. Women in power often are mistaken for being overly dramatic. So when she was prime minister Mm -hmm. and she was yelling at someone across the... uh, House of Commons or whatever the equivalent is to the Australia, (coughs) people would accuse her on the media, on social media, that she was being erratic. But if a male was to do that, it would just be... Fighting for his country and the fighting for the interests of his country. Oh, that grinds my gears. Exactly. So when I said, "Do you have a role model?" I, I ask, and I, uh, I I'm mm-hmm. going to word it differently this time. Do you have a role model that you look to and you say, "You know what? She has overcome a shitload of stuff." And Michelle Obama has. I I mm-hmm. will wholeheartedly say that she's overcome a shitload of stuff. People attack her on a regular basis, and that Michelle Obama's mm-hmm. that as well. And. At the end of the day, she's holding her head up high. Mm-hmm. She is coming out the other side. Mm-hmm. So do you think that the role models of today's girls are the proper role models that we should be looking up to? Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because like you said, Michelle Obama is a good case. Yeah. Because you look at her and you look at what went through, what she had to go through for eight years while she was in the White House with yeah. her husband. People attacked her for every single thing that she yeah. ever did. Uh, if she didn't wear sleeves one day, it was, why weren't you wearing sleeves? And I, I don't understand why that would be an issue. But <laughs> yeah. According to the right wing, that's an issue. So do you look at the role models of today and then look at the role models that your mother might have had mm. and go, you know what? We're better off now because our role model models are a little bit more uh, bringing the cause of women's rights, we, women's uh, equal uh, equal mm. rights for women mm-hmm. to a forefront than, say, my mother's role models. And I say that reluctantly because when you said role models, the image went to some celebrities that haven't exactly been the best influence. Like, what do you mean? Um, Well, I just... For example, and I'm just, I, I don't want to name names. I don't want this to get back to celebrities and cause you like a big shade fight on Twitter. Oh, yes, because all the <laughs> celebrities are listening to my lonely podcast. I'm why, just saying. Why, thank you. I do declare. <laughs> I just think like there was, I mean, every celebrity went through, or I find that every female celebrity goes through a phase where she tries to find herself. So I just think like there's phases, for example, in Britney Spears' life that probably I shouldn't look up to. Or Miley Cyrus, for that matter, yeah. or different things like that. But I think back to my mother's generation, and my mother grew up in another rural 
area in Nova Scotia to the point where they were actually a little more sheltered than I was. They had two channels on TV, so I don't know how much of that was prevalent in her life. True. We do have to take that into consideration. And that's the thing, because we live in a, such a world now where everything is judged upon. And I yeah. find, and this is where I, I'm hoping that you'll have a little bit more clarity for me. Um, social media has, I believe, has destroyed this world. Yeah, it's getting to that point. It, it hasn't been a great influence. If you don't have 15,000 followers, if you don't look the best, if you don't post the best selfies, if you don't tweet the right thing, you're done. Hmm. Yeah. As a woman, do you look at social media and you go, you know what? I wish I could be with my, in my mom's generation where we only had two channels. You know what? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I really do. And especially when it comes to women's bodies. For some reason, people... I don't want to say they're predominantly male because that's really blacklisting a whole gender. And I don't like blacklisting a whole gender because not every male does this. And I know this, but a lot of times males seem to think that it's okay for them to comment on women's bodies. And honestly, sometimes women think that too. I take Rachel's Rachel Green's words from friends very so seriously. If you don't have a uterus, you don't have a freaking opinion. True. Um, so, and you opened up a topic that I wanted to touch on. Oh, good. Um, women and women. Yeah. Is there, because when, I hate to use that. I hate to all. That's okay. No, but I, I'm going to say this, but I hate doing it because TV Mm-hmm. Movies paint an mm-hmm. awesome photo. Everyone loves each other. We fight each other, and then two hours later, everyone's made up. Yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> Do you find that women, and I'm not trying to generalize here uh, because I, I honestly don't believe all of them are. Um, do you believe that there is conflicts in the uh, women's gender between themselves? Sure. Absolutely. That needs to be fixed before you could potentially fix the male to female issues? Yeah, I think so. Or even if the fixing or the issues were addressed co-currently. I, um... It hasn't happened to me, per se, but I do follow an Instagram account. I really like her. She's called Diary of a Fit Mommy. She's a stay-at-home mom, and I really followed her when I was doing the keto diet because she posted the most delicious recipes ever. (laughs) But she's actually... She's really fascinating, and this kind of goes back to women's bodies and how people seem to think we can just comment on them. The amount of bullying I've seen based on pictures she has posted of herself just... Being herself, whether it's working out, playing with her kids, like it completely and totally breaks my heart. And do you see that with men's Instagrams? Not really. And why? <laughs> and is again, that? I, I don't go through their comments. <laughs> FYI. Okay. And why do you think that is? Is it is it go, does it go back to the comment that you made uh, earlier in the podcast that you said? And I I I mean I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here that women are looked upon as the weaker sex. Sure. In a way, maybe. I'm really not sure about this. Sorry. <laughs> well, do you... <sighs> and this is the hard part about this. And that, this is where I'm so con- like concerned about the future. <laughs> we, Aren't we all? We, I, we should be if this... Um, we look at today's society and 
we're supposed to be past all these issues, right? Hmm. We're supposed to be past the fact that women and men are equal, that women get paid less than men. And yet we still live in a society where it's okay to slut shame. Yeah, that's not cool. It's still okay to make women feel less than who they are. Mm -hmm. If a man decides to run for president or prime minister, Mm -hmm. he will be treated more as a nation builder than if a woman did it. Mm -hmm. Where in your life can you look back to in a moment that you say, you know what? I'm going to say, fuck you. I'm going to show you who I am, and I'm going to prove that, you know what, I'm not a woman. I I am a woman, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a weak Mm. individual woman. I am a strong, independent woman. Mm. Was it in high school? Was it in university? Was it when you decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Montreal. I'm going to show the people who thought I was that loner kid. I'm going to show them. That was definitely one of the moments, for sure. On top of being bullied by both male and female peers, I was also diagnosed with a learning disability. Um, It's called dyscalculia. If you want, you can Google it. We've talked about it in the last podcast. Yeah, no, we touched a bit about it. (laughs) Yeah. But I found that even with my teachers, there was some sort of bias in the ascent, in the sense that I was kind of lumped together with all of the other, I don't want to phrase it like this, but this is the only way I know how. It's also been a long day. Um, but I was lumped together with the kids that weren't going to go anywhere in life. So not only was that motivation for me to work my butt off and to show people that I may be a quiet, shy girl, but I'm also not a dumb kid. I guess it goes hand, it might go hand in hand. I really don't know. And honestly, I forgot the question. (laughs) No, and I understand. Um, Did you, looking at your mother and father. Sure. Looking at the the way they they interact with each other. Sure. um, I'm assuming, because uh, you seem like a stable person, you seem like a happy-go-lucky person, um, your father treated your mother with all due respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you got out to the real world here, <laughs> here in here in northern province that shall not be named, mm-hmm. did you feel that the way that you were raised, the way that you saw your father treating your mother, mm-hmm. you thought all men treated women that way? I naively thought that when I was when I was a young girl, like I I had a good childhood, you know I. There was, I have really nothing to complain about. Yes, I had my hard moments. Yeah, there were hard moments. Everyone has hard moments. Everyone has their hard moments. Everyone has their challenges and struggles to overcome. But I I actually, for a long time, I naively thought that, you know, that's how women were treated, with respect. And then I got older. I went up in, you know, I went through grade school. And I really realized that even some of my peers at the time who were dating guys, they really weren't treating them the way they should. And that did it to a degree. It manifested in you to a degree. I saw that in university as well. But everyone was kind of coming into their own at that point. Um, So did you... uh 
when you've uh, had issues, when you've had uh, moments where you've gone, you know what? Men are just disgusting. I've had them all the time. <laughs> uh, you know most of them. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> the only time we talk is on the podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, sure. So when you had those come to, uh, as they call them, come to Jesus moments. Yeah. Um, did you look back and you go, Dad, what the hell did you do? Why didn't you, like, tell me how things were going to be? Because I'm out in the real world now, and you gave me this uh, fantasy that I was trying to build up in my head. I actually would have to disagree with that. Really? And here, well, here's why. Even though I was naive, I was, frig, I was naive as a child. Oh, my God. But you know what? Mom and dad showed my sisters how we should be treated, how we should value ourselves. Okay. And I love that. I mean, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a person, and I may never know who I am as a person. I could be sitting here, at, we could still be doing this at 60 freaking 5, and I may not know if I who I am as a person. Okay, just FYI, I will be calling you at 65 and finding you and recording. Noting in the calendar, so you'll, so you'll be what, in your 70s by then? I'll be 22. Yeah, right. Okay, Benjamin Button over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. No, As my but, husband says. <laughs> but they really and truly, and I don't want to speak for my sisters because they have their own voice, but for me, they, my father really showed me how I deserve to be treated. Like, m- mom and dad have, they celebrated 33 years of marriage this summer. Like, how incredible is that, first off? Secondly, like, after those 33 years, they still very much love each other. And I, I freaking love that. And they treat each other with respect and kindness and love. Now that's not now that's not to say they haven't had their moments where it's been tough. I don't know most of them. I don't want to know most of them. That's for them to know, not yeah. for me. But yeah, I was naive. Yes, I know the world is kind of an interesting, hard, term tumult, tumultuous. Is that yep. a word? Okay, cool, tumultuous place. But I do know how to. But. I do know how to treat people. I know how I should be treated. And, and will I'm, you put people out of your life if they treat you wrong as a woman? Eventually. Okay. It takes a long time. Okay. Um, so, like, and I do have podcast like 12, you'll kick me out of your life? Is that what you're First off, Chris, you're never going to be kicked out of my life. Yes. I rather enjoy having you a part yes. of my life. I can't yes. see that happening. Yes. I did have one friend, um, and we were friends throughout. She was one of the few friends, I should say, I had in elementary school. And by the time I hit my master's, we weren't really communicating very well with each other. And I remember sitting on my sofa in Montreal in my cute little apartment by McGill. Um, for any of you who, for those of you who are listening, I just did really cute hand movements, which is yeah. why Chris is laughing right like now. Like a bear. I'm a bear. <laughs> anyway, um, and we were just texting back and forth. And I was getting all these pictures from her just on Snapchat because that was a thing back, back then. I'm not, that was brand new back then, Snapchat, four years ago. Woo! And, I, you know, and she was in all of these really nice dresses. And I said, oh, what are you sending me these? You know, are you, you know, her fiance at the time was in the military. And I thought. Navy ball. This is going to be awesome for you. And she was actually trying on different bridesmaids dresses. And it really kind of kicked me in the pants because we had been friends since fourth grade and she didn't ask me to be a bridesmaid. Wow. That was a little hard to swallow. 
up until then, though, women can be really catty. Like, you know how men, if they have a conflict with one another, nine times out of ten, they're going to beat it out of each other and they're good to go. Like, they're friends-ish. I gotta say this, and I mean this with all due respect. You're talking to a gay man, so I get catty. Okay, okay all right, good enough. I get the fact that men can be catty as well. I'll okay, take you. even straight men can be catty. I I'll take your word for that. Yeah. All right. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> anyway, but sometimes, even through elementary school, off and on, she would be my friend, and then she wouldn't. It was really to her convenience. So. It was at that it was at that point that I was like, okay, this friendship really has broken down. Do you find yourself having more male or female friends? Actually, right now in my adult life, it's about an even split. Really? It is. I have some I have, you know, I have a few female friends and I have a few male friends now and it's rather refreshing to have those different perspectives. And that's why I love you, Kellyanne. <laughs> because you are like me. You need the different perspectives in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward. Sure. Do you, fi- do you think that women are going to have it easier, harder, or the same in 10 years, 25 years, 30 years? Gosh. My God, I hope we have it a bit easier. It hasn't exactly been easy. Like, look at the battle it took to get women to vote. And that was one battle. Yeah. And right now, like, I look at some of the things that are going on in the United States in terms of Planned Parenthood, trying to reverse Roe versus Wade. Well, we had a party here that was almost going to do that. Yeah. Don't don't remind me. We're willing to allow backbenchers to open it. Don't remind me. Like, and I... I really hope we have it better. Like, women's, for me, women's issues to an extent are tied into our inherent right to reproduce. And it's our right, people. It's our right. See how I'm getting heated. That's Hey, that's what I like. <laughs> I like when people get heated. So a lot of that is tied into the reproduction issues. And like, guys, I don't want to say guys, but come on. Roe versus Wade was to stop. Why do you think Roe versus Wade is such a hot topic? As because a woman. It, because it's something that no one really wants, still wants to talk about. No one wa- Are you willing to talk about it? I can try. Not like, like, if someone said, what's your opinion on Roe versus Wade? Mm-hmm. Would you be able to articulate the way that you feel about uh, allowing, not allowing, but um, for a, woman to, a woman's right to choose? Absolutely. Why do you think it's hard then for a society that like ours today to discuss it? I think in part I think in part it has to do with religious influence. Okay. And I say that because if you because you're religious, and that's the that's the where I'm kind of. Oh yeah, it, it, you're going like, hmm. And that, exactly. Where's she coming from? And, and that's what I want to know. Where are you coming from? Because was your mom and dad like this? Was your mom and dad openly discussing this topic at the dinner table, or no? De- de- definitely not. Or like definitely not. Hey, but you know, this is like this is a potential. But I mean, we were always encouraged. We were always encouraged to come to our parents to talk about things like they. Now, nine times out of ten, we went to my mother. It was a little difficult for dad to handle this kind of stuff. But and you know what? It's hard. It's a hard topic. It's a hard, hard topic. 
Um, was it openly discussed at the dinner table back when I was a kid? No. <laughs> Even as a teenager, it wasn't. Would it openly be discussed between my sisters and I and my mother? Now? Yeah, more than likely, because it affects us. So when you see men talking about, no, I shouldn't say just men, men and women talking about it, and hey, I see you huffing here, and I, I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> okay, that's fine. What's your initial response? Because, and this is where, I'm glad we touched on this subject, because I hadn't touched on it with any other woman, so I'm very happy that I touched on it with you. Mm-hmm. When I hear their side mm-hmm. of, you know what? Abortion is murder. We're, let's call it what it is. Abortion. Okay. okay. Uh, let's ro- say it. Let's ro- validate it by saying it. Exactly. Because if we don't do that, then we're giving them strength by taking the name and making it something evil. Yeah. So when you hear the other side's uh, points mm-hmm. on abortion, mm-hmm. that it's murder, mm-hmm. your life starts at conception, mm-hmm. what is your initial thought? thought? I see, my initial thought is, I sit, my initial, actually, let's do initial reaction. Okay. My initial reaction to that is I sit back and I say, okay, I want to hear where you you have to go with this. Because there's a difference between science and religion. Yeah. Science says and has said that conception isn't necessarily a sign of life. And I say that because I, I say that because that's actually what my mother told me once. That you know when you're when it, when cells are dividing, our cells divide in our body all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean it's got a heartbeat. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Oh, Am does. I digging myself into a hole? No, I, under, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm trying, I'll, I'll try and relay back to you what you're trying to say and just let me, like, just tell me if I'm out to yeah. left field. You're saying that, you know what? There's probably science, scientific proof out there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have the documents in front of me that says, you know what? The heartbeat isn't at the moment of conception. It's, you know, it, it's really not. And that, I mean, that does go back to basic biology. But to answer your question, I will always argue that women have a right to choose. Will you listen to the other side? Yeah. They have every right to voice their opinion that I do and that the other side does. No one should be discounted because of one belief or another. How are we ever going to have an open conversation if that happens? And do you find it, not ironic, but do you find it from a women's perspective, as I'm assuming pro-choice woman Mm -hmm. as you are, um, hard to understand why there might be pro-life women out there? Well, not necessarily, because I know some of the pro-life women. They're wonderful human beings. I actually, I was a part of the uh, Catholic group on campus in my undergrad, and a lot of them were pro-life, and I always, always tried to keep that, I always, always, always tried to keep that open mind. But in terms of my own beliefs, I really and truly think it boils down to the person. If you want religion to play a role in your decision, then hands down, let it play that role. That is fine if that's what works for you. But if you don't want religion to play a role in it, if you think, you know, if something so horribly, like if something happened to you and a 
um, moment of, you know, if something happened to you in a moment of violence or there was a, I hate to say it, if there was a rape and you want to choose the right to terminate that pregnancy, then you know what? You've got that right. There is no, I don't, people think there's a right and a wrong way for this issue. There isn't a, in my opinion, I don't think there's a right and a wrong way. When you look at how far, because uh, I don't know the year that it was uh, passed, I think I want to say 67, 68, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, in Canada, Mm -hmm. that uh, abortion was uh, legal. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at the 60s to 2019... We have come so far in society. We've come a long way. But this seems to be the topic Mm. that seems to be the most played, most used when social conservatives, and I say that with all, and I'm not saying right wing, I'm saying social conservatives, because you know what, there are some nice, like you said, social conservatives Mm -hmm. out there who believe that uh, pro-life is the only way. Mm -hmm. That since whenever it was passed to 2019, that people should have just gotten over it, or that, you know what, everyone has the right to fight for what they believe in, Mm -hmm. but as a woman who's mm-hmm. pro-choice. I don't you, like... Don't put a label on me, please. Hey, no problem. I, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that that's okay. I just... Because I'm still undecided. Okay. And I say that because I'm 27 years old. I only have 27 years of life on this earth. I may be sitting here going, yes, I believe a woman has a right to choose, but at the same side of the coin, I've never carried a baby before in my body. And I will agree with that. I've never, and I I will never have that experience in my life. And like my mother herself has said that her views did alter a bit when she was pregnant with me, with my sisters, because she had a life growing inside of her. There was this other, I don't know, force, I guess. Yep. We want to bring Star Wars into it. There was another kind of a... Oh, Star Trek, sorry. Christopher. I apologize. (laughs) There was another, you know, life force growing inside of her. I don't have that experience. I have no idea what that's even like. As someone who is... I don't want to say undecided. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say undecided because that's what I am. But I don't even think you are undecided because you look you're, who are who's opened. Yeah. Because you are open to both sides. Let's put it what it is, right? Mm-hmm. You're undecided, but you're you you haven't clearly defined. Yeah. Okay. Where you are on the spectrum. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the best way because un, undecided means that you haven't thought of it. I I feel and I think you you think about it and you look at both sides. Yeah, that's basically what I do. <laughs> yeah, and you will come to that conclusion one day. Just not, you're, like you said, you're 27. It's not right now. No, it's okay. certainly not right now. So looking back from where it is today to where mm-hmm. it is now, do you think that it will ever not be an issue? No, I don't think so. I think this is one of those things where science and religion is going to come into play and they're going to butt heads. And I think it's always, I think it's going to be, I really think those are two of the biggest influences. And then you bring politics into a mix and then it all kind of bubbles over. Yeah. Um, but like I look when my grandmother was born, my grandmother was born in the thirties to how, for when I was born, even in the nineties to now, we have come even a long way from that. 
for example, my grandmother taught before she was married. She was a teacher. She could no longer hold that job after she married my grandfather. Because she, as because a woman who's married, in she wasn't allowed. She wasn't allowed to hold a job. And I look at career, like I look at women who balance, you know, family life and a career, and it's amazing how far we've come from even that point. Yeah. Even my mother has said, you know, when she was getting ready to go to university, she had three choices: secretary, teacher, nurse. That's it. Wow. And she looks at my sisters and I, and like I'm running, I'm running an archive. Um, you know, my my youngest sister is still in school. She's pursuing her business degree, and my middle sister Emily is um, she's a supervisor at a big catering company in Halifax. Like those were really, I guess you could call them pipe dreams back in my mother's day. So, you know, we've come a long way. We still have work to do. Don't get me and I was wrong. Gonna, and that goes back to the <laughs> last question that I asked was, do you think your children, your grandchildren, mm-hmm. will have it easier, will have a lot more potential to uh, do with what they mm-hmm. want and not feel the hostility mm. towards being a woman. Because I like to look on the bright side of things. <laughs> I want I'm going to say yes, I sincerely hope so. But I also think that the generations, whether it be my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, they're going to be faced with unique issues, I think. Now, I think reproductive rights will always be one of the major issues. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Okay. But I think they will be faced with their own issues. Maybe the career and motherhood thing will make a will make more of a rebound. You know, history, like we talked about in the last podcast, history does tend to repeat itself. It does, and that, and, and maybe there will be other like unique issues that <coughs> come up for them. I can't think of them right now because, unfortunately, I I can't see into the future. Although at times it'd be so easy if we could. Yeah. But no, like. I really want to, I really and truly hope that my children and grandchildren have it a hell of a lot easier. And do you hope that society will begin in your generation, Mm -hmm. not not generation, but in your day, Mm -hmm. that women will not be looked at as the weaker sex? I would really like that. And I... I pray that happens. That would be, honest to God, that would be really nice. Where, looking back on your life Mm -hmm. 20 years from now, 40 years from now. Oh, shit. Where do you, where will you go, you know what, this is the moment that it changed for me. This is the moment when, is it when you're going to get married? Is it when you're going to have kids? I know you say you don't, you can't see in the future, but mm-hmm. let's put on our All right. Marty McFly hat for two Good seconds. Good enough. When do you think you will be able to look at a potential daughter mm-hmm. and say, you know what? This is the moment that I went and I thought, it's good to be a woman. Hmm. 
Because we, we talk, we're talking about the negative stuff. But mm-hmm. you, must be, you must be a happier woman. Oh, I mean, womanhood comes with a lot of interesting things, some good, some bad. But yeah, overall, I'm happy to be a woman. Of course I'm happy to be a woman. I don't know anything different. Um, and I, you know what? I really can't answer that question. Okay. And it's primarily because I don't know when that moment's going to be. I'm really bad at putting on my Marty McFly hat today, by the way. Hey, no I know. As an archivist, you're always looking in the past. You never look into the future. Well, I know. And I was, like, reflecting on my past. And I was like, well, maybe it was when I got into McGill. Maybe it was when I stood up to that really mean kid in fourth grade and, and, and told him where he could go very politely and then burst into tears. Maybe it'll be those moments. I, but right now, you can't look. You can't I think really, to yourself that... I'll be a happy woman. You see... Because I'm assuming you're happy to be... Yes, I... Don't get me wrong. I know we've been talking a lot about the negative, but these are the issues that are facing women. But overall, I am happy to be a woman. I'm happy to be in this body. I'm happy. I'm grateful that it comes with its ups and downs, joys and sorrows, happiness and sadness. Like, of course. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I'm really out of my element in doing this. And I I, I get that. And that's why when we... And uh, we'll wrap up here. Um, I could tell that you were out of your element, but you took the questions in stride. And you answered them. And I've actually learned something about you today. Not just period tax and the pink tax? Well, not even that. (laughs) I learned your... we, we ne- we've never dived into this issue. No, we haven't. And you know what? And I'm so happy we did. Oh, well, good. Because I have learned that the Kellyanne that I know <laughs> is not the Kellyanne that I've been sitting in front of for the last hour and a half. You see, you, you said that the last time, too. But that's why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> because I'm learning so much. And I just want people to get out and talk to people. Get out you from know, behind the 140 characters. Get and talk out. to people. Yes. Sit down with your mother, your father, your friend who you've known for four years, who you fought over Sidney Crosby about. It's a good argument to have. Yeah, but I'll always win it. Okay? Sidney Crosby is bad. I will you say that. did not go there. I say that right here, right now. If he wants to blacklist my podcast, go right ahead. I might get the Alexander Ovechkin uh, group that will listen to it then. Well, I, you did not just go there, my friends. <laughs> Kellyanne, thank you very much for doing this. You know what? It was a lot of fun. And one last time, thank you for our guest for coming in, sitting down with us. Much appreciate it. But I also want to take this moment and thank you, the listeners, for tuning in, for subscribing and listening to our great podcast. Without your subscriptions and feedback, we wouldn't have the ability to continue on this great adventure. If you haven't already, head over to Facebook. Give us a like. Cross Border Podcast. It's easy to find. Just type in Cross Border Podcast on that search bar or Twitter and Instagram, both cross-border podcast. And with that, I bid you adieu. We'll be back here next Saturday with another great edition of the Cross-Border Interview Podcast.